A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, folks, we stand at an inflection point. We have an opportunity to defeat despair. To build a nation of prosperity and purpose. We can do it. I know we can. After four fraught, agonizing days, when America and the whole world was glued to the news, watching a handful of counties in Pennsylvania decide the future, it's now official. You chose Joe Biden as the next president of the United States of America. Once again, America's bent the arc of the moral universe more toward justice. In cities like New York, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia and L.A., voters erupted in celebration. People danced in the streets, cars honked and masked crowds cheered. So what will a Biden presidency look like? And what do we know about the new president? People who give great service to the world can come from personal tragedy like that. And he's turned it around to make sure that he gives himself purpose. We hear from the star of The West Wing and an old friend of the Bidens, Richard Schiff. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Joe Biden, the next president of the United States of America. The Fox News decision desk can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th president of the United States. After four long, tense days, we've reached a historic moment in this election. We can now project the winner of the presidential race. Joe Biden has won the American presidential election. The BBC projects that he has reached 270 electoral college votes. For days, the world hung on every result from every county that trickled in. But many were caught off guard when the announcement finally came. We did it. We did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. Kamala Harris, who was out for a run when the result was called, wasn't the only one who hadn't been expecting it. I I switched networks to get different types of coverage and different info, and I've been watching mostly CNN, like a lot of people in Britain, for the last three days. Josh Glancy is the Washington bureau chief for the Sunday Times. And I just switched off back to Fox (laughs) News because I wanted to watch this Rudy Giuliani press conference, which I thought CNN wouldn't carry and Fox would. And then I got a call from Bob Tyron, my editor, saying, you know, CNN have called it. I was like, 
No. <laughs> Just For five minutes, you stop listening. He's talking to me from Washington, D.C., where he's been fanatically following the TV networks since polls closed on Tuesday. Outside the window on U Street in D.C., there are sort of convoys of revellers and hooters and God knows what else. And people are heading down in droves to the White House. So once I've done my professional duties, I will go down there. It's a very strange thing about America that it, the media doesn't cover the election. The media sort of is the election. So when CNN called it, that, that's the result, which is a very odd approach. Although the networks were calling the result, that press conference with President Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, went ahead in Philadelphia. But the hurried event showed signs of the strain the campaign was clearly under. In what we can only assume was a mix-up with the stately Four Seasons Hotel, Rudy Giuliani addressed the world in front of the rather less grand Four Seasons Total Landscaping a suburban garden centre. He announced that the legal fight for the presidency would go on, but as he was speaking, he heard the networks had called the election for Joe Biden. All the, oh my goodness, all the networks. Wow, all the networks. We have to forget about the law. Judges don't count. All the networks, all the networks. For a presidency born out of a reality TV show, it was the final fall from grace. Come on, don't be, don't be ridiculous. Networks don't get to decide elections. Courts do. From being a ratings winner, the Trump campaign seemed to fade into irrelevance in record time, as many of the networks ignored that press conference altogether. The threat of legal action is being taken equally lightly. This thing was over two or three days ago. The, the networks were very, 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 very cautious about calling it because they knew what the potential blowback could be. But the count direction in Pennsylvania, which is decisive, has been very clear for a while. There's no path back, and that's why they called it. Once Biden got to a certain amount ahead, no matter of tweaking, no matter of legal challenge, no matter of recount was going to shift it. He's tens of thousands of votes ahead in Pennsylvania Trump is not going to find those votes, so this thing is over. But all that we know about Donald Trump is that he will probably never conventionally concede this election. He will probably always call it rigged. And some of his supporters will probably always agree with him. And that's just how it's going to go. That's, that's the man's nature. How are the media talking about it now? Well, Jake Tapper on CNN, when he announced the news, said America's long national nightmare is over. Just quoting oh, wow. President Ford. <laughs> that's what President Ford said after Watergate when he replaced Richard Nixon. Yeah, I mean, even Fox News, uh, which has obviously been generally a pro-Trump channel, hasn't really fully supported him in the last few days because of his attacks on the system. And well, they're obviously reporting it quite soberly, but it's, uh, most of the sort of liberal-leaning media is, is in a state of... I mean, people have been... I saw Van Jones, the anchor, was crying on, on screen. Well, it's easier to be a parent this morning. It's easier to be a dad. It's easier... It's easier to tell your kids character matters. It matters. Telling the truth matters. Being a good person matters. The Trump era has been an incredibly emotional experience, particularly for those who hate him and who hate everything he stands for. And there is a lot of catharsis. And even this last five days has been like Chinese water torture. I mean, it really has just been, you know, it, it sort of felt appropriate somehow they would end this messily and, and antagonistically. And I think people are just, 
there's like so many different emotions, relief, joy on the liberal side and, and kind of despair and frustration on the other side. So it does, it's yeah. a very emotional country today. <laughs> on Saturday, Joe Biden and the woman who'll be his VP, Kamala Harris, address the nation. Tonight, we're seeing all over this nation, all cities and all parts of the country, indeed across the world, an outpouring of joy, of hope, renewed faith, and tomorrow, bring a better day. And you delivered a clear message. You chose hope and unity, decency, science, and yes, truth. Watching at home was someone who knows Joe Biden well. I'm Richard Schiff. I am an actor. And an, I guess some people say I'm an activist. People know me mostly from a show called The West Wing. Richard Schiff is most famous for playing Toby Ziegler, the idealistic White House communications director in The West Wing. We have never been what The West Wing idealized our politics to be. We're more like Breaking Bad. Richard has known the Biden family for years. He's a good man. Uh, I've known him since 2004. Tell me, how did you first meet Joe Biden? I was at the Democratic Convention in Boston in 2004. There was something about him that I found very impressive and unusual in a politician. His ability to make you feel important as he was listening to you, right? Joe Biden had been a senator since 1973, and he'd even run for president in 1988. But he was preparing to run again. He had run for president before I knew that in 1988, but, you know, wasn't on any of our radar, really. But I was excited to hear his speech because I'd gotten to know him and he was so good the way he talked to us about the issues. And he gave a, a very mediocre speech. Uh, in fact, it was Barack Obama who gave the, the groundbreaking speech in 2004 that raised him to national uh, prominence. He doesn't have the, I want to have a beer with you, George W. Bush thing. He doesn't have the Reagan kind of humor, but he's got personableness. He's got empathy. He's got curiosity. He looks you right in the eye and he wants to know what you think. And how rare is that? They met again in 2006. And so we met after the debates over pizza and Cokes at about 11.30 at night and spoke for about three hours until his sons uh, wow. convinced him to, it was time for him to go to sleep. And it was just like four or five of us. The meeting started with him asking me, what's my major concern? What's my number one issue? I had never again been around a politician of any kind before or since that actually asked me a question. I, I, I got to know Bill Clinton quite a bit, and I, I like him, disagree with him immensely about a, a ton of stuff, but like him, he's brilliant, he's smart. Bill Clinton never asked me a question. <laughs> never once, okay? Um, That's interesting. And then he said, how did I do tonight, by the way? And we were very critical. Um, of his performance. Oh, really? How did he take that? The, the main thing I told him is the way you talk to me right now is how you should translate that to the debate when you're speaking to hundreds of people. Because he tends to get a little bit nervous and, and, you know, he was a stutterer when he was a young child and that has something to do with it, I think. 
I don't know if he listened to that or not, but he ended up getting really good in the debates as he went along. I think it was just a matter of him getting more comfortable. But I'll never forget that meeting because he was genuinely curious about one of the citizens of this country and how they reacted to the current state of things. Joe Biden was running to be the Democratic nominee for president, but he was up against some very tough competition. The field included Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. And then he asked me if I campaigned for him. And I thought, Obama's got Oprah, (laughs) you know, and Hillary's got George Clooney or whoever. And it's like, Biden's got nobody. So I said, "Uh, yeah, I want to keep him in the debates as long as possible because he was an honest voice, especially on foreign policy. Uh, I don't agree with a lot of uh, his policy, but he was very knowledgeable and understanding of it. Uh, So I campaigned with him and it was adorable because we were in two SUVs in Iowa. We passed caravans of Obama buses and caravans of Hillary buses going the other way and two little SUVs putt-putting along, uh, you know, the Iowa highways. But I just found him charming in in an old American way. Every place we went, whether it was a pizza hut with 10 people or a museum with 500 people, he answered every question and reached out to every person. And not only that, but when people were angry, he specifically reached out to that person and asked to speak with them later so that they can deal with the issue on on a more thorough basis, which I've seen him do repeatedly since then. So there's a goodness to him. The one thing the West Wing depicted was people in the West Wing who genuinely worked very hard to leave the world a better place than how they found it. And I believe that Joe Biden is someone like that. You spent a lot of time with him on the road in a very sort of um, intimate setting, I suppose, you know, with just a, a few of you going around yes. campaigning. Yes. So you, you really get to know the man, I guess. And Dr. Jill as well, and his wife and his sons, at the, you know, and the whole family. What was he like? Just, you know, he'd be telling stories like we were, we, we scored a big win when we got a, a little plane. So we got this little puddle hopper that sat about four of us, a little prop plane to fly to Mason City in a rainstorm. But he would tell me stories about his family. And, and one of the most touching things he told on that flight, in fact, was how when he lost his daughter and his wife and his two boys were hurt in that car crash right when he was becoming senator. He had just won the race to become senator right when he was elected and he was despondent, kind of at the end of his rope and he didn't know what he was gonna do next and he wanted to quit. And he admitted to me that he was had you know thoughts of, of ending it, you know, uh, very touching. And then uh, a bunch of uh, senators came into his office. It was one week, I think, into loading up his office. Uh, a bunch of senators came in and they were from both sides of the aisle, you know, old school guys, Ted Kennedy and I think Strom Thurmond and I think, you know, Barry Goldwater and those types came into his office and said, hey, we understand what you're going through. You're a member of the club now. We'll take care of you. Don't give up this office. We are going to get you through this. And he told me that with great emotion. And he realized at that moment in his life that he will always keep friendship above politics and that he will never define whether someone is a friend or not based on politics. And it's one of the reasons why his reputation of crossing the aisle and and making compromise is in such good standing 
he believes that to the core. He believes it, it has to be how you operate in this world, that humanity and friendship and empathy and grace are more important than anything else. Is that what you meant when you said he's charming in an old American way? Hey, he's, he's very Norman Rockwell, you know. He's one of the conditions that he stayed in the Senate, he talks about, was he'd have to go home every night. So he became known as the Amtrak senator because he'd get on the last train every night to get back up to Delaware to make sure that he could put his two boys to bed. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's American pie. He really is. He does have that charm. Yeah, I, I said on Twitter once that Biden is really the most like Bartlett of any candidate. And, you know, people jumped down my throats and were <laughs> very is, upset at that. This is the president in the West Wing. The president in the West Wing. But in fact, you know, Bartlett was, is Catholic. Martin Sheen is Catholic. And Biden is Catholic. Biden reminds me of that. Is, is religion important to him? Because, I mean, if he, if he, yes. if he does become president, he'd be, the, he'd be the second Catholic since JFK, yes. I guess. Um, I, I think religion's very important to him. And I think that's why he had issues uh, with Roe v. Wade when he was younger. It was hard for him to come around to same-sex marriage and all of that stuff that uh, a lot of people that are very religious have trouble with. And he has grown and understood the needs of people are greater than the beliefs passed down to him by his priest. It's very much a part of his life, from what I could see. There was the terrible tragedy of Bo's death. Um, yeah. You were all sort of getting ready for the campaign again when Joe Biden thought of running at the last election. Mm-hmm. And all of that was thrown into disarray. Tell me a bit about that. Well, we had lunch, actually, in the West Wing in his office because I was doing a play in Washington. Uh, the elephant in the room was, was he going to run for president? This was, I think, around 2014, maybe, that I was there. At the end of the lunch, he says to me, so are you going to be there in Iowa? And I say to him, does that mean you're going to run? And he says... Well, let's put it this way. I'm not doing anything different if I do run or if I don't run. I'm performing my job as vice president. I've got high approval ratings. And then I said, well, what if Hillary runs? And he said, well, then I'll probably lose. And that was the extent of the conversation. But I assumed that he was going to run. And I said, well, let me know if you need my help. As always, I'm happy to be there. And that's how we ended the lunch. And then the news of Bo became apparent. Bo should be the one running for president, not me. Um, every morning I get up, Joe, not a joke, I think to myself, is he proud of me? Um, because he's the one who wanted me to stay engaged, made me promise, promise me, Dad, promise me, Dad, you'll stay engaged. Didn't mean I had to run for president, but I would not walk. He was worried I'd walk away from what I've worked on my whole life since I've been 24 years old. I sensed from watching him that the pain that he was going through was just too great. And the longer he waited, the more money Hillary was raising. His odds were high against him winning anyway, running against Hillary. So I think he made the right choice to step down from any potential candidacy that particular year. And when you'd been campaigning together, you know, years before that, he talked to you a bit about the tragedy in his life already. I mean, yeah. tell me a bit about that. And how was he affected by it? And how do you think Bo's death affected him? I can't imagine the pain that he went through. He talks a lot about turning tragedy into purpose. And I think that's a remarkable feat. Bo had made his dad promise him that he would go ahead and run for the presidency and don't let 
what's happening to him. Stop his dad. Don't, you know, I, 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 Bo is basically saying, I'm okay. I, I, I get it and I'm okay. People who give great service to the world can come from personal tragedy like that. And he's turned it around to make sure that he gives himself purpose. And I think that's one reason why he's running for president. So if that's the character of the man, what do we know about his policies? What would his priorities be in the White House? We'll have more in just a moment. But if you want to follow all the latest news from America and the rest of the world, do think about subscribing to The Times and The Sunday Times. If you do it today, you can enjoy one month free. Search for thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Many people will have spent the weekend celebrating the Biden victory. But are we about to see the hangover kicking in? Joe Biden will face some of the greatest challenges of any incoming president. Yeah, I mean, people often, when Obama became president, people said he had the toughest inheritance since Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Roosevelt inherited the Great Depression. Obama inherited the Great Recession, as well as two wars that weren't very winnable. Biden is is inheriting the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, which is in terrible shape in America. I mean, it hasn't reported that much because of the election, but cases are skyrocketing. We're up to almost 150,000 new cases a day recorded. Deaths are heading north towards 1,500 a day. The moment this party ends, that will be the number one priority. And it's very frustrating for Biden because he's got two months of waiting. Trump, you know, lost interest in the pandemic a while ago. 
there's nothing Biden can do till January, but he will be planning and that's what his transition will be focused on. And then you have the attendant economic crisis. I mean, America is recovering somewhat, but still huge unemployment, fears of a double dip recession. So it's going to be a long, cold, dark winter. And he also probably hasn't won the Senate. So his hopes of introducing a transformational agenda, a sweeping agenda, are likely to be limited and even nullified by Mitch McConnell and the Republicans who will lead the Senate. Today's Democrat Party doesn't want to improve life for middle America. They want to pack the Supreme Court with liberals intent on eroding our constitutional rights. And they want to codify all this by making the swamp itself, Washington, D.C., America's 51st state. So it's a tough, tough agenda and a tough set of options Biden has. And I wish him luck, (laughs) frankly. I mean, you know, he's going to have to hold his party together. He's going to have to deal with the fact there are 70 million Trump voters in this country, some of whom don't believe he's a valid president and won't believe that. He's got a battle on his hands and he's he's an old guy. And we saw in the campaign, he's not the most energetic. So, yeah, this is going to be the trial of a lifetime for Joe Biden. The refusal of Democrats and Republicans to cooperate with one another is not some mysterious force beyond our control. It's a decision, a choice we make. And if we can decide not to cooperate, then we can decide to cooperate. I mean, mean, you're right. You know, this has been a historic election for so many reasons. But the the very fact that so much of the country came out to vote and it's so divided. You know, how do you begin to bring the country back together? Do you think Joe Biden is the man up to the job? I think that Biden, that's what he ran on. He is an old school guy. He's a bipartisan guy. He wants to restore the soul of the nation. He does genuinely believe in this. He's not just saying it to win. He, he genuinely believes in trying to bring Americans together. How far he gets with that, I don't know. I mean... The divisions we've seen in the last four years have been deep and scary and even violent at times. For all those of you who voted for President Trump, I understand the disappointment tonight. I've lost a couple times myself. But now, let's give each other a chance. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. And to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies. They are Americans. And so he will attempt to heal. And I think he might have some success. But, you know, it will take more than Joe Biden cuddling the nation to heal some of the divides we've seen in recent years. What do we know about him as a potential president, you know, as president to be, I suppose? You know, what are his key policies? What are the things that really matter to him? Well, it's going to be the pandemic really. I mean, that's what he ran on. That's going to swallow the, at least the first half of his presidency. It's about competence. It's about bringing America through the virus, getting people to take proper precautions. There are limits to how much he can do because the states actually do a lot of the actual legislating around that. And, and about rescuing people who are in real economic peril because of the crisis. Beyond that, he will take America back into the Paris Climate Change Accords, he will want to try and deal with climate change. Although, again, if he doesn't have control of the Senate, there are limits to what he can do. He'll want to restore traditional foreign policy. Uh, They're hoping to hold a summit of democracies in in Philadelphia, I think, and sort of restore a kind of more alliance-based, kind of human rights-based, if you like, network of 
of American-led nations, work with NATO more closely, uh, work with the EU more closely, and work with Britain closely too, as long as Britain doesn't cause too many Brexit-related headaches. They're not very keen on Brexit, so they'll expect Britain to behave themselves on the Brexit front. And if we do, Biden and his allies, they want to work with Britain. What does does behaving on the Brexit front look like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Behaving in their eyes means not threatening the Irish border. It means no jiggery-pokery on Ireland, but it also means actually just getting it done, getting a deal signed with the EU, moving on. They do think the Britain can play an interesting role triangulating with the US and Europe as a global presence, working with Hong Kong, you know, in Hong Kong against China, sort of limiting China's ambitions. But they really aren't interested in kind of Brexit wrangling. They didn't like Brexit to start with and they want it to be resolved ASAP. But after that, we can still expect the special relationship to continue. Yeah, I think there was a bit of panicking last month because Boris Johnson isn't very popular in democratic circles and nor is Brexit. And there, there, there are genuine concerns. There are genuine issues there. The special relationship may not be at its absolute strongest, but I do think there's plenty of appetite to work together. And I think you know, Boris and Biden will probably get on fine personally. I, I think it'll actually be quite a normal era. It's interesting. Boris Johnson has tweeted congratulations. And, uh, you know, he does mention in his message that the US is our most important ally. And he looks forward to working together on climate change, trade and security in particular. Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, so climate change, the, the embassy here and, and Downing Street have been pushing for a while. They know that's an issue that they're actually personally very keen on working on and they know that they can align with Biden on that. Trade, obviously, they do want a trade deal. I'm not sure they're going to get one, or at least not a conventional one that they might have got with Trump, although they weren't making that much progress with Trump. And defence, obviously, that's the sort of cornerstone of US-UK relations. So, so yeah, I, I think actually it might be quite an, a normal era for US-UK relations once, once sort of Brexit is, if and when Brexit is resolved. It's wild out there. Yeah. Do we do we know if he'll if he'll move on a green new deal? That's sort of something the Democrats have been pushing. There's just if they don't have the Senate, there's just no hope of that at all. They will try and do some stuff via executive orders, and they can bring America back into the treaties it signed, and Britain's hosting a climate change summit next year in Glasgow. So they'll be very keen to work closely with us on that. But there are limits on climate change because ultimately, if you want to really retool the economy you need money you need to pay for it and Mitch McConnell will be holding the purse strings if he's got control of the Senate and they're not going to get very far with it. And do we have any idea of who might be popping up in in a Joe Biden administration do we know who he's bringing with him? Yeah we do I mean again it's slightly depends if they have the Senate or not because if they don't then they're going to have to appoint very moderate uh, secretaries of and cabinet secretaries to get McConnell to sign off on them, unless they go the Trump route. Trump appointed acting secretaries and stopped bothering with Senate confirmations. But that was rather uh, abnormal. We do know we're expecting people like Anthony Blinken, who's a close Biden ally, to be National Security Advisor or Secretary of State. Biden's got this kind of coterie of of old allies who work with him in the Obama White House. Uh, A guy called Ronald Klain will likely be Chief of Staff. An economist called Lael Brainerd. She will probably be Treasury Secretary, Michelle Flournoy at Defence. These are sort of centrist, relatively moderate, what you might call Biden world or Obama world bureaucrats who are pretty much by the book. A lot of them have already held senior roles before. He's not going to reinvent the wheel. Do you think some of those people we saw as potential VP running mates, do you think that some of them will be rewarded? 
again, McConnell will block anyone radical, so you're probably not going to see Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. You might see Pete Buttigieg, although McConnell might block him too because he's an ambitious young man. He might get a role. Amy Klobuchar could well get a role. She's been very loyal to Biden and conceded in the primary at the right time. But yeah, a lot of it's there's going to be a lot of wrangling if they don't have the Senate. It's going to be real. Everything's going to be a headache and a deal that they're going to have to cut with the opposition. I mean, it, it, when you put it like that, it doesn't sound great. Is there a chance, you know, we can hear the celebrations outside your door at the moment, but is there a chance that this is sort of the peak already? Yeah, I think there, there, there's, a, there's a possibility that Democrats will feel like the dog that caught the car uh, in about February when the pandemic rages and their own party descends into civil strife and, and whatnot. Do you think other people out there celebrating an ending rather than a beginning? Yes. And, and the whole election was predicated on that. You know, Biden didn't really run as a transformational candidate or a particularly inspirational candidate, but he ran to beat Trump to restore the soul of the nation to try and turn the clock back. And you can't turn the clock back, but you can at least move past the Trump era. And that's what people are celebrating now, I think, yeah. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Josh Glancy, the Sunday Times Washington bureau chief, and Richard Schiff, star of The West Wing. The producer was James Shield, the executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Carla Patella. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe for free to get a new episode of Stories of Our Times every weekday morning. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Do join us again soon. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times.